0: This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers. Guys, welcome to the Full Blast Podcast. I'm Jeff Fader. Today's going to be old school radio day. Before we get into it, before we get into it, talk about a couple of our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Evenheat. The manufacturers of the finest heat treat ovens available. If you want to check out your next oven or your next kiln, you go to evenheat kiln.com and let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. This is an oven for you. This is a kiln for you. You're making knives. You're making swords. You're making hammers, axes, anything needs to be hardened. You're making uh, ceramics. Get yourself an even heat. Stop playing. This stuff is bang on stuff. You get that tap control. You get that solid state drive. It knows where you are, when you are, all that steel gets you to that critical temperature and hold it. Hold it. So get yourself a even heat. Check it out at evenheat kilncom And they have all sorts of distributors all over the place, including our friends over. I don't know. I think our friends have you know what? Now that I think about it, our next sponsor broadback broadback ironworks their distributor of even heat so if you want to check out the best grinders around my boys my boys at broadback ironworks it gets you squared away and if you go to broadbackironworks.com you can check out all the different things they have they were just at blade show i saw some interesting things looks like they got a power hammer going on i don't know i heard some things i heard some things Looks like they're in the power hammer game, or they're starting to. I don't know. They had it. I saw it in the picture. Can't get mad at me now, Vince. Can't get mad at me because I saw it. I saw it on your Instagram. Had it right there. Blade show, big old power hammer. So there you go. Check it out. What's going on over at Broadbeck Ironworks? And if you don't blame if you don't understand, if you don't <laughs> if I don't blame me, if you don't want to check it out, go over to broadbeckironworks.com. Check out what's just going on, or follow them on Instagram. Broadback Ironworks, and they have different packages. They have different types of packages, different deals, and you can get yourself one of them specialty attachments. And you don't, mean, they might not even have to have a Broadback. All their attachments are, are very uh, user friendly. You could probably shove it in another different grinder, or you could retrofit it, no problem. They're, they're, their grinders are awesome. If you're not just a knife maker, you're a metal worker, you're a woodworker, you're re- removing material. This is the grinder for you. So go check out broadbackgrinderworks.com. And if you, if you are looking for a discount, if you put in a Knife Talk 200, you're going to get $200 off any of their grinder packages, the Max Premium, the Mega. And you put in Knife Talk 100, and then there's going to be a discount for their sharpening system, surface belt grinder, and their leather sewing machine. P.S. Congratulations to Vince. Vince and Ryan were on this, pro, pro, uh, this program uh, last year. Con- congratulations to Vince. Passes Journeyman Smith. The boy's legit. I mean, it can't get much better than that. So congratulations to our boy, Vince. Vince is the man. And um, I'm very, very proud. Very proud to be um, sponsored by Broadback. Good guys. and I appreciate what they do. Customer service is dynamite. Products are awesome. I'm with you. I'm with you guys. We're going to do things a little bit different, guys. Just me today. So we're going to break it up. I want to do old school radio. I want to see if I can do an old school radio thing you know what I'm saying so we're here at the full blast podcast It's a brand new week and uh I'm on the heels I'm on the he- I'm on the cusp right now this is Sunday I'm on the cusp of going to Barcelona so I thought I'd knock one out um my daughter Lila and her mother are in the city getting stuff for the prom so I am by myself and I thought let's knock something out for the people on a Friday I will when this comes out I will be in Barcelona by hook or by crook I mean, by hook or by crook, and I'm excited, and we'll see what happens with with Tomer. Maybe we can get him get him on again. but bring a microphone. I think this time I'm going to be there a little longer, so I might bring a computer and a microphone. and Get yourself, maybe we do a full blast over there. Maybe who knows what we're going to do over there, but it's going to be fun. Um, and P.S. We're going to talk more about Lila at the end of the show. I just want to thank everybody for reaching out and saying such nice things. It was really awesome. One of the things... I, you know, I've you been planning on talking to Lila for a long time. I think probably even like a, almost a year. We were talking about having her on over a year ago. Well, not a year ago, but like the beginning of her senior year. And... I, and I just didn't want her to be in, in, under any pressure didn't want her to be in, under any pressure and things were tough it was before she she said she wanted to come on but I was like I just don't need her worrying about how she's gonna sound I want her to be relaxed I want her, I want her to not worry about what her friends are gonna think and so I was just like, listen, let's just get everything squared away. Get yourself into college. <laughs> let's get yourself into college. Just get everything squared away. And then when you're like about out the door, I'll grab you and we'll record. So, I, well, I want to talk about that a little bit later. But one of the things I did want to talk about, I kind of wanted to talk about it with her. But then I felt like it was kind of unfair. I really wanted Lila to have her own show you know when i do these programs when i do these episodes a lot of times i really want to do something with the guest i want this to be about the guest, and you know then all of a sudden we start to get familiar and guys like ben Snoor, who uh i love having on he and i'll fuck around with some you know weird news and maybe even ben ben Camone and and all my you know nico and stuff like that so i i do get familiar and we kind of have like a kind of like a real radio thing but like for lila i just felt like this was I wanted her to be on her, I wanted this to be about her and us and a relationship but without having to kind of, you know. So what I did want to bring bring up this, uh, I wouldn't want to bring it up last week and I decided to, at the last minute not to, was I wanted to talk about my Uncle Jay. My Uncle Jay uh, passed away on May 14th and um, I, I just wanted to talk about it just because, you know, he was such a huge influence on my life. And I have funny story. I got a lot of funny stories. We're going to tell funny jokes. Don't worry. I'm going to do a little bit of subtle manipulation, ladies and germs. This is real radio. For all you guys who are learning about podcasting, there's something called radio. And half of you don't listen to it. I, You know what? I take it back. Three quarters of you don't know how to you listen to it. And you don't understand that it's about storytelling. It's about subtle manipulation. I'm pulling on your heartstrings. I'm making you laugh. I'm going to bring it all out of you. And, um... I learned how to be a better storyteller through my Uncle Jay. So, Jay used to call me up um, for years. And he used to, I used to answer the phone. I saw on the phone and said, Jay, Jay St. John. And I answered the phone and he would always say, Oh, Tawny Boy, Tawny Boy, it's your Solamente. Oh, Tawny Boy, it's your Solamente. Do a little bit of decoding for you. So, when I was younger, My uncle, when I was younger, I I was staying, I think we had a family, there was a family event and he was staying at his house. And then everybody went out and I stayed home. And I told, and Jay said to me, Jeff, were you, I mean, I must've been like 10 or 11, maybe, no, 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 probably more older than that. And, um, I was he told me, just answer the phone or write down whoever calls. He didn't have, I don't know why he didn't have an answering machine. I don't know why, I don't know why he trusted his (laughs) his dopey nephew to write, to take messages. I mean, maybe that's some sort of responsibility. I could have been like 12 or 13. I don't remember. So, no problem, Jay. And then I was, went home and for some reason the phone rang and, you know, when you're very young, you get nervous, especially if you're at someone else's house, answering the phone and stuff. And the phone rings and I pick it up and Hello, hello. Hi, yes, is Jay there? And, no, he's not. Can I take a message? He goes, this is John Liebler. This is John Liebler. Just tell him I called and uh you know, whatever. And I uh, didn't say whatever. He said, This is John Liebler, tell him I called and and uh, and to have him call me back. He, he left his name, left his number, write that whole thing down. So then, you know, later the night, Jay and his wife Beth come home. And I don't. Maybe my mother was there. I don't know who was actually there, but I just remember Jay looking at the, you know, the message, and he goes, "Jeff, I have a question for you. What does this say? Does this say Ton Liebler? Does this say, or does this say Yo Liebler?" And I'm looking up, and he says, "Because it looks like it says Yo Liebler," and. The fact remains, I had terrible handwriting. I had horrible handwriting. And it was very clear that my handwriting was bad because he couldn't read it. Or he could. He was he was fooling around. And he says, is this, who's Ton Liebler? Who's Ton Liebler? And uh, I said, no, it's John. And he goes, this is a T. This is a J? This looks like a T. And I was like, you know, I'm sorry. If I'm so then all of a sudden he started calling me Ton, Tani. And he started calling me Tani. He called me Tani for 35 years. Call me Tani boy. Hey, Tony boy. And, it, you know, called me Tan, Tani, oh, tiny. And then he'd, when he actually called me, call me up, he, he, would, he would say, uh, he said, oh, Tani boy, the pipes, the pipes are called. Every time, Tani, he called me Tani. And that, so that was my nickname for a long time. And thank God, because his first nickname for me was way worse. I had a way worse, probably the worst nickname I ever had. And P.S., when I tell you this story and you decide... To call me by this original nickname, it's not going to be good for either one of us. It's not going to be good for either one of us, but it's going to be worse for you. It's going to be worse for you. So when I was much younger, and we're going to get back into when my parents were married, once they started to divorce, my uncle was in New York, and he kind of swooped in and did a lot of stuff with me. It's a lot of stuff for me, a lot of stuff with me. We're to, have to tell, some, <laughs> tell some stories. Some of these stories are terrible, but we're going to tell them to him. Because he was a storyteller. He was a joke teller. He was a very funny guy. And uh, he said, he called me up. This is Pre preton. He said, hey, Jeffy, listen, I want to go to this movie. Uh, well, let's go. I'm going to take you to the movies. And I said, oh, great, Jay. What are we going to go see? He's like, I don't know. This movie, uh, what is this movie called? What is it, Phoebe Butthole? Phoebe Butthole? The Adventures of Phoebe Butthole. I'm like, what? What are you talking about? He was talking about Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Ferris Bueller's Day Off, Matthew Broderick. And he called it, he called it, he said, let's go see, we'll go see Phoebe Butthole. Phoebe Butthole or Fifi Butthole. Call Fifi Butthole. We're going to see B. I'm going to say he called him came home, he, he came up to pick me up and he said my mom says where are you guys going and he said I'm taking I'm taking Jeff over here to see Phoebe Butthole. Phoebe Butthole's you know uh Ferris Bueller's day off. Phoebe Butthole's day off. So next thing you know, I'm Phoebe Butthole for a while. So Uncle Jay called me Phoebs, called me Fifi, He called me Phoebs, and it was, it was the whole thing. And then Ton came up, and then it was Tawny Boy for... That stuck. Thank God. Thank God. Phoebe Butthole. Phoebe Bunghole didn't stick. Phoebe, if Phoebe Bunghole... Stu- That's what it was. It wasn't Phoebe Butthole. It was Phoebe Bunghole. If it was Phoebe Bunghole towards the end... I don't know if we would have been as close as we were. <laughs> I can't call your nephew Phoebe Bunghole or Phoebs or Fifi Bunghole. You can't do it. So T- Tawny was the, the move, and he would always call me Tawny. And thank God, thank God, Fifi Butthole Bunghole went left. Thank God, it was all. He was a nickname guy, and he, there were always like these evolutions of nicknames and stuff. So Taw Tawny, and uh, so he would call up. He would always call up. He says, "Tawny boy, it's your Solamente." Now Solamente, I called him Solamente. And about 14 years ago, my his brother, his older brother Bill, um, passed away. And um we went down and and uh we went down to Florida. Uh he had leukemia and he was uh and frankly, it was it was it was it was connected to his exposure to Agent Orange in Vietnam, which is like unreal. And um, I remember going down to the funeral, and I wanted to have some things to say. So um, I wrote a speech. And, you know, one of the things about my uncles and I is like, we tell jokes to try to make each other laugh. And I remember writing a speech um, for Bill. And um, I also remember Jay was the man who would tell – you know, the greatest part about Jay was he was an incredible order, incredible storyteller, and he always – he just was fearless when telling inappropriate jokes at inopportune times, which is my move. like I learned from him. I learned from him that you swing at pitches, so he used to tell crazy stories or crazy jokes in front of other people who probably shouldn't be hearing the jokes that he was telling and he said he used to tell me swing at pitches, tiny boy You got to swing at pitches so i had wrote I had written some um some things for Bill, and then there were jokes in it and stuff like that. And the, the weird thing is, the weird thing about telling jokes at a funeral is that's the, that's the truest form of bravery when it comes to public speaking. If you try to make people laugh at a funeral, I give you nothing, but you're like the gold star general. I salute you. If you go and you put the F-U-N into funeral, I am fucking with you. You are the man and I, or woman, or order or whatever, but that is, without question, the toughest job of all time. Because if you're, if you go, let's say you go to a comedy sh- club or comedy show, these people are ready to laugh. But when you go to a funeral, ain't nobody there for you for the laughter. So I remember writing a speech, and actually, well, for Bill, I remember writing a speech and having some funny stories and some slight jokes and stuff like that. And I mean, nothing like, not street jokes, but like just kind of like witty things or funny things that he would say. And I remember kind of passing it along to his daughter first. Like, I read it to her first and just say, make sure that you won't be offended by this. And, um... Uh... She said, No, it's great. You just don't you gotta do it. And I left in a joke. At the time there was this, he was, you know, when he was really quite ill, they had him on steroids. And this was part of like the, also the, you know, like the steroid era, one of the steroid errors in baseball. And J, and Bill and I used to watch baseball games together. I used to watch the Braves with him. And I just remember throwing in this, you know, how talk we talked about baseball, and he and I used to watch baseball together. And the last thing I did with Bill was to watch a Braves game. He was a huge Braves fan. And um I told him I made some joke at the end and, and basically it was like the ending joke of the thing. And the whole joke was, is like, Jay would have, Bill would have loved this. You know, I think A-Rod just got, you know, Alex Rodriguez just got pop or steroids. or something like, that. And, yeah, Jay, Bill would have loved this, this era because of all the, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I said, and I, the, the punchline was, is yes, because he was on steroids too. Now my, my niece, his daughter thought it was funny, but the funny thing is, is when I got up there, I couldn't. I'm mean, not getting nothing out of these people. I mean, and my family was ready to laugh. St. John's are always up for a laugh, but everybody else. I mean, it was hard, man. It was hard out there. And I just remember saying there was a moment in the speech when I was reading to Bill Jay's brother, my mother's brother, my, the older, bro, the um, the younger brother to my mother's younger brother, but not the youngest. Jay was the youngest. Bill was the second. Um, was the second youngest. And I just remember there was a moment where I said to myself, Hey, yo, hey, yo, you gotta, you gotta cut that last joke out. You can't do it. You can't do it. You're gonna kill, these people are gonna kill you. These people are gonna kill you. And the crazy part was, was I had made, cause I wouldn't get anything. I wouldn't get anything from these people, which is fine. You're at a funeral. I mean, I don't know what I was expecting. This is Don Rickles, for Christ's sakes! I, mean, I all of a sudden, I'm thinking I'm going to kill at this funeral. I mean, you can't make it up. I, for some reason, I have this feeling that that you got to, if you want to be a real good speech teller, a storyteller, you got to make people laugh at a funeral. That's it. I mean, that is the that is the golden gates of of comedy is to make someone laugh at a funeral. But these because these motherfuckers don't want to laugh. So I remember cutting that last joke and as I'm getting off stage my uncle come, Uncle Jay comes up Bull's younger brother guy is the best and at the time I had longer hair I had a goatee I kind of looked like a I look like garbage, frankly. But it was like, you know how it is. Every, th- there's stages in your life and you make these decisions and you think you look good. And I don't know. I don't, and you, you, you know My hair was long and it, was, it took me forever to get that long and I thought I was doing a good thing. It was just not happening. And I'll never forget getting off the stage, like sweating. I was just like, God damn, I couldn't get up. I couldn't get, I was dying out there, I was dying out there. And I just remember Jay passing me by, I put his hand on my shoulder and he goes, ladies and gentlemen, I present to you my nephew, Serpico. He and he 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 rang my bell. Everyone laughed because Serpico, for some of you people, was Al was Al Pacino in Al Pacino movie where he plays this flea bag undercover pr- detective. And he goes, ladies and gentlemen, my nephew is Serpico, and he killed everybody. It was awesome, and that was just like this moment. And then after the funeral, he and I were talking, and and I said, well, that's it. It's just you. It's just you. You're it. You're day." You're Solamente. You're all alone. You're my only uncle. And from then on, it was 14 years ago, he, he called himself Sol. I called him Solamente. Hey, Solamente, and or he'd call me up. He'd say, Hey, tiny boy, it's Solamente. So we would talk a lot. And frankly, I appreciated all his phone calls. He was such a loving uncle. And he, as I got older, and as we we got to talk about our kids, our daughters, and I remember when his I remember when his daughter was born. Uh, uh, Kate was amazing and Beth uh, was fantastic. Wonderful aunt, wonderful person, loving, 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 loving woman. And his daughter's awesome. Kate's amazing. And I remember when she was born, I remember I was actually one of the groomsmen at my Uncle Jay's wedding. And it, it was... He would, especially during the pandemic, we'd talk, I'd say probably like, I like to say th- once every three weeks or a month, and we'd just catch up, and a lot of it was telling jokes, and a lot of it was trying to make each other laugh. He had been going through some health issues. Uh, he had had... Uh, uh, kidney failure years ago and he had a kidney transplant and you know most likely the most likely and you didn't i ain't no doctor but i'm i'm based my based on what i've heard from my my sister who's my brother-in-law died of uh you know he had kidney failure and he ended up having a transplant. His, Kidneys and transplant organs don't have a whole lot of time. They had a good time. They're, or the expression would probably be, they're not here for a long time. They're here for a good time. But it isn't. You, every transplant has a certain life expectancy. And you know, one of the things that they do is they really got to kill your immune system in order for the transplant to kind of like stick so he had a he his immune system was much more weakened than most transplant patients are and, and there was a very most likely a good chance that his weakened immune system made him very susceptible to cancer so he'd been dealing with cancer through the pandemic and we've been talking and you know i I like to joke I and mean, we would tell jokes and a lot a lot of dick jokes. He was a huge penis joke guy. I remember one of the great jokes when I was very and talk about inappropriate stories inappropriate stories at a young when I was very young, I think the most inappropriate thing ever spoken to me when I was very young was from Jay and Jay was I must have been at a dinner, dinner table and I was very young and he was talking and he was telling he was like when I was younger when I and he isn't that much older, I mean he was I think he was probably like thirty years older than me so I mean in, in the great scheme of things he was much he wasn't very you know I don't I think he was younger than 30 years younger than me I think he was my sister's age frankly so he must have been like 20 70, 70, 70, 70. yeah he was like just under 30 you know 25 years older than me and he told this story in front of the whole family and he says I just remember when I was younger and I was trying to get a pack of condoms And it was very inappropriate and they lived in this tawny town in Connecticut, Old Greenwich, Connecticut. And he's like, I was going to get these condoms. And I was really nervous because I was the five and ten and I was nervous that he was going to say something. So I tried to smuggle it all in and I said, "Eh, "Can you give me a pack of gum and uh, a, a pack of Marlboros and then a pack of condoms. And he was nervous that the guy was going to say no or I know your parents or whatever. So he would, he said that the guy looked over the, over the table and he just rang him up and he goes, Well, what do you know about that? We still live in a country where you can smoke, chew, and screw for under a dollar. <laughs> I remember like my eyes opening up and everyone was like, I think, I think his father, I think my grandfather was like, Jay. Jay. I mean, it was an awesome story. It was a funny story. Just, just like that. Oh, you can, you still, what a world we live in where you can still smoke, chew and screw for under a buck. And I, I just remember thinking that is incredibly, that was an incredible story. And I think that that was like the precursor for me being like, Whoa, that was it. That was a, that was an incredible, you know, he activated the house and he got people mad and it was a great story. Um, and, um, you know, we would tell jokes, and I would tell things that happened, and he actually listened to this podcast, he listened to Knife Talk a little bit, and he loved it, he said, he said, he was just like, he's like, you've been listening to Howard Stern too much, and it was like, it was like, that was a compliment, P.S., and um, he um uh, he was amazing, and we would talk about sports, and we would talk about this, and talk about that, and one of the, you know, the past number of months, I started to not talk too much much and uh, there's a funny story i'm gonna, I'm gonna tell I'm gonna, fuck it i'm gonna tell this story then there's there's so many good jay stories i'm gonna tell i'm gonna tell a couple stories but the last two conversations i had before he died i want to tell you about those two those are babies those i love those stories and um so, kind of closer to the closer to the end of his life, it was just becoming very clear. His voice was getting weaker, and I would talk to him, and he would kind of tell me what was going on. And and um, then I started to get messages from my aunt uh, Carol um, that things were grim, and Beth was Beth was kind of like overwhelmed. She was overwhelmed. Jade came back from 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 the hospital. I didn't things didn't very go very well, and he had hospice in the house. And it was hard for Beth, terribly hard for Beth. I just don't know what it's like. But at the same time, she's just such a wonderful, loving wife and 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 companion. I mean, that's it. I mean, she was a wonderful, wonderful companion for Jay. And he adored her. And um, I, I think it was all too much for her. And to the point where I didn't want to reach out. I felt as though sometimes you just get bombarded with like, people and expectations and well wishes and what can we do and you know i got this guy and maybe you should do this i didn't want to be part of i wanted to give my love and show my love but without being you know smothering you know and carol became my carol was bill's uh wife my aunt carol and carol would be the person kind of being giving me all the information what's going on and I remember, I remember Bill, you know, Carol sent me a message saying, Carol, this is Carol, you know, I have bad news that it doesn't look very good for Jay. And then she would give me updates from Beth. And I think Beth was telling Carol and then Carol would kind of like be the satellite for everybody. It was just too much for Beth, too much for Jay's wife. And then my wife told me on a Friday, she told me, you got to call him. She's like, you got to call her. You got to call her, you're going to regret it. And so I don't want her to be mad at me. So like, he's not gonna be mad at you. My, my wife. Was like, so what? He's gonna be mad at you. Be mad at you. But you, you got to call and wish love. And so I did call, and I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that one. I'll tell you that one. The last two conversations I had with Jay were awesome. Were awesome. And one of them was really funny, and one actually both of them were very funny. So I'm very happy about that. Jay passed on um, on Memorial Day. 14th I think it's the 14th Memorial Day the 14th he died on the 14th and there wasn't a whole lot you know I sent texts to his wife his daughter and, and then I just made the decision well, I'm going to go down to the funeral I I, you know Jay meant so much to me i to tell you I'll tell you what happened at the funeral but in the meantime I had to, I looked at flights and I to go down to Orlando and I figured this all out. And I looked at the, you know, maps from where the church, I didn't have a address. I didn't have a dress, I didn't have anything, frankly. So we found out where the church was. I found out how far it was from the from the um, airport. And then I booked a ticket, a six o'clock in the morning ticket to Orlando. And then I was getting, my plan was I'm going to go down, just pay my respects, and then I'm going to get right back to the airport and go home that day. So it was crazy, and I know that it was just like weird, and I'm going, to, you know, like down to Florida and back in a day. Just everything about it seemed, you know, there's stuff that needs to be done, and obviously, I wanted to show my respect, but at the same time, it was like, you know, let's let's just, I'm not gonna get hotel rooms and bond with people and. You know how it is. Don't don't take it anything other than I just want, I wanted to be there for my my uncle. And throughout the whole time, I was, I was like, well, I'm going to write a speech. Jay was an incredible speech writer, storyteller. He was a teacher. He was a principal. He was a headmaster. He was. Uh, but he he loved he loved the underdog. He was a huge fan of rascals, kids who were probably you know troublemakers that was his those were his guys and i think he believed in them because he was he was one of those people so i wrote a speech and i wrote a uh, it was good two pages had it you know it was tight two minutes uh two three minutes tight three minutes and i wrote it out i read it to hillary and lila they liked it a lot and i and then um put it in some laminated paper and then put it in my jacket pocket and then I got the tickets. I woke up at three o'clock in the morning. I drove to the airport. I got on the plane in a jack in my funeral outfit pair of pants, shoes, jacket, shirt, tie. Nothing else. I had earphones, earphones in my pocket. My phone in my pocket. I had sunglasses and that, and reading glasses, and that is in my wallet. That's it. And they thought when I got on that airplane, they thought I was an inspector. When I went through TSA, they thought I was an inspector because I had no carry on. I had no. You want to be weird? Go on a plane without any carry on or anything, and with your hands in your pockets. I dare you. It's a weird and great. Get the touchdown to um in orlando <laughs> take a take i get i got gouged by a taxi driver don't don't ever talk about new yorkers screwing people ain't nobody screwing anybody like a cab, a cab driver in, in orlando my god i was gonna do an uber but then there, there was no there was there was nobody waiting for a cab i hopped in a cab and they charged me 70 cents a quarter mile and they got me they got me good which was fine i was there you know what am i gonna do <laughs> no problem so I gave them the addri- found the address for the uh church, showed up at the church and I honestly I thought maybe I'm at the wrong church in the wrong state in the wrong city and everything. And I walked around the town and then I um came back to the church around time and luckily for me every you know the family was in a different part of the uh church, kind of like a reception area and they were happy to see me and it think it was surprising. Uh, that it, I'm glad I made the effort and it was a loving, loving speech, uh, send off for Jay. Um, the most touching was my, his daughter, my uh, cousin, Kate did this. She was, did this really great. The hard part is Jay was such a great speaker and he spoke on high levels to, you know, college, you know, graduating classes and he wanted to be funny and he wanted to be charming and he wanted to ca- control the, the tempo of the speech and so Kate did an amazing job and um I didn't know I didn't really speak to anyone beforehand so I had the speech in my pocket and I thought to myself if I have a chance I'll you know do the eulogy a a eulogy or a speech so there was this you know it all went through the it was very beautiful and then there was like a reception area and a reception where there was some food and family and gathering and And, um, they had, uh, Kate had a, a, my, my cousin Kelly, my cousin Kelly, uh, Jay's niece did a, um, a slideshow and there was music and slides of people were sending in, you know, images of Jay and it was really, really great. And Kate said, well, listen, now's the time if anyone has anything to say, you know, you want to say anything about Jay or have a speech written or, you know, whatever, now's your chance. So this woman got up and she had like... I'm gonna. I'm saying this respectfully. She did a good job. She did a fine job. And there's this weird... I think that there's this weird expectation because people who knew Jay was... There's like a level of, you know, that you're trying to like step in his shoes. I don't know what it is. She did fine, but she had... I mean, all of a sudden she's reading and then she's got those pages stapled and she's flipping through the pages. I'm like, oh my God, we're going to be here all day. I got a tight three minutes. And like... Speech writing, I can do right a speech. I can do fast. I can do fast, poignant, funny, fast, poignant, and I'm out, no problem. Funny, fast, point, uh, poignant, done. Swim goes on, and she's doing okay. She's doing a good job. And then I'm, you know, slowly taking my laminated paper out of my jacket pocket, and I'm trying to signal to to Kate that I'm ready. I got, I got something for you, and I had a good one. I had a good one. And then all of a sudden, this guy just kind of hustles up, hustles up right where she where the original the last speaker was, hustles right up and he goes, Wow, that was he's clapping, he's like, wow, that was really great. I I'm not as prepared as, as she was, but let me see what I can do. That's not the good that's not a good way to start a speech. Not a good way to start a speech. That's, right off the bat I'm just like, all right, well this'll be quick. And he I guess he was a coach, football coach or something or basketball something. Friend of Jay's nice guy, couldn't have been nicer but I'm going to break his balls right now. I'm a, I'm a, I don't know. I know that you're not listening to this. And if you are, take this respectfully. Take this respectfully. You went nowhere. <laughs> that was. I'm sorry. I'm so, I know that you're not listening. But, you know, so it's like he's talking about Jay and he's talking about the relationship and he's he's going on and on and he's pacing around and he's starting to... And it almost feels like he's hoping something kind of just comes you gotta when you're writing a speech you have the opportunity to like narrow things down hit certain tones hit certain even this even this i have like an outline of where i'm trying to go and you know so this guy's just like he's pacing he's like wow you don't know jay was the man you don't know what he was like and he's just like and it started to get like it started to get almost like it was less about him and less about jay and more about I don't know. This guy should have been a guru or something like that, or whatever. And it was going on, and it was going on, and it was going on. He had—he just was like—it was almost like, just to the top of his head. And P.S. Respectfully, I appreciate you. I appreciate everything you said. But I mean, you could have slammed it down. You know, you could have stripped seven minutes off of that. He went for ten minutes, to the point where I had my—I had my my speech ready to go. And I was starting to like you know try to grab the attention of Kate that I'm ready to go, I'm ready to go, and then six minutes, seven minutes, eight minutes. I decided at the last minute to put my speech back, and that's it and I thought to myself they've these people have had enough; <laughs> they don't need any more. It wasn't even great i mean, look he like I said he could have it could have been a toast, he could have done a toast, but he just like he's and he's walking around and it seems as though he's waiting for some genius to be said and it's just like he's holding everybody hostage and it was just like i couldn't do it i couldn't do it to these people so i just was like fuck it <laughs> you know he, everybody's and i was sad only because it was just like you know it would have been nice to tell a jay story and um but at the same time it was just like and, and i even said to my, my aunt and i said to my cousins i was like if our grandfather was here my grandfather was here Your, if my grandfather was here he would have gotten the hook he would have. this guy would have gotten the hook and fine, showing respect. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, I don't know. It seemed as though it was supposed to be like, it. he was like turning to Gary Vee situation. I don't know what he was doing, but it was like, and then another guy got up and I was just like, I've had enough. So I took the speech and I gave it to my cousin, who, this daughter, I'm like, look, I had a speech written, but I can't put these people through anymore. <laughs> they, they've had enough and <laughs> they don't need me. So I just like put it in her pocket, gave her a hug and I said, I love you. But these people cannot handle one more fucking thing. Well, they can't handle one more word. They just want to eat their chicken salad on a croissant. You know what I'm saying? They don't want to eat their pigs in a blanket and get the fuck out of here. And I don't blame them. I don't blame them at all. So I took the speech... I irritated and I made a lot of, I made a lot of crude jokes, which I think Jay would have appreciated. And then we told stories. And I'm going to tell some more stories. And then I got, went back to the airport with uh, my cousins and then came home and I had a lot more time to reflect on all of it, especially Jay. I, um... I got much more emotional after the funeral. It's like surprisingly emotional. I did a reel about him and my grandfather and I was looking at pictures of him and my Uncle Bill and my uncle and my grandfather are there, you know. And it was tough. It was tough. And another thing that was tough was I made the decision to not tell my mother about the passing of her youngest brother. And it was a hard thing to do. It felt like the right thing to do. Um as of now my mother is um she's in a, she's in a place where they're taking care of her. She's you know not walking. She's her diabetes you know got the best of her. The damage is done. She's got dementia. She had had a stroke. She doesn't really you know she's sweet and she's loving and she's happy to be there. She loves being taken care of. She's got a very nice roommate. They have a very nice time you know, doing her thing. The people there really like her very much and she's content and she's happy and she's, and I want to make sure that I don't want her to agitate it. I don't want her agitated. And just saw another story is a year ago, a year ago today, a year ago uh, this week is when she was hospitalized after she had like, you know, she was really in bad shape, uh, uncontrolled diabetes. And, you know, there was a lot of, I won't go into it, but she was hospitalized and then they told me that she'd had a stroke at some point. And I was talking to Carol and I was saying, yeah, you know, here's what's happening. She's in the hospital. We're going to go to a rehabilitation center. And Carol said to me, he's like, I was really concerned about her because a number of months ago, and, and, and we had known that my mother's like memory was going. She asked me how her parents were. I'm like, bro, your parents, you know what I mean? Your parents, how's your dad? I'm like, my dad's been dead for, he'd been dead for a long time too. So it was very clear that there was like these, she was having good days and bad days. And, um, so I was talking to Carol and I was telling her, yeah, she's in the hospital. And, you know, they said that she had a stroke and her dementia, she's got dementia. And, and she said, yeah, I just didn't want to tell you, but she was. She made me very concerned. And one of the reasons why is because she asked me how my husband was, her brother, her older brother, Bill. And and Bill's been dead for, you know, 14 years. So when I went back to talk to mom, and I was telling this, I told told this all to Jay and he he thought this part was funny. And I told him it was funny. We were, I said to mom, I'm like, well, mom, we're going to have to, you're going to have to get you in a place where they can kind of take care of better to carry you. And she says, why? And I'm like, well, mom, she's like, I'm going to go home. I'm like, you yeah, can't go home because you, you got to, you can't take care of yourself. And you refuse, you know, you refuse the nurse's aid, bingo, bango, bongo. And I said, and they told, the doctor told me that you had had a stroke. And she said, well, how do you know that? And I said, well, you Mom, I just talked to Carol, and you asked how Bill, her husband, is. Your brother? He's been dead for twelve years. And she goes, "He died. <laughs> he died. Really?" So I was like, "Yeah." I thought that was funny, and I told that to Jay, and he thought it was funny too. And you know, gallows humor, or whatever. So we made the decision that I just don't want, need her. I don't want her agitated. I don't want her upset. I want her to be calm. I want her to be. In a good place mentally, and it was a tough decision. And I'm going to tell you why it was a good decision because I saw her a couple hours ago, and I'm glad I made that decision. <clears throat> so I was thinking about when when I was younger, my when my parents were divorcing, my uncle Jay was with me. I mean, because he lived in New York, and he would just like pick me up, scoop me up, told you <laughs> you take me to Phoebe Bunghole, you know what I'm saying? You take me to movies, take me to Phoebe Bunghole <laughs> days off. And he would take me to things, and and it was he kind of really helped me become. And this was part of the speech. P.S. That motherfucker was yammering on like Gary V Junior. Fucked it all up. Now you have to suffer through it, guys, because that's what we're doing here. This is I'm not happy until you're not happy. So s- settle down. So, Jay was the first guy to take me to a, de- a diner. He's the first guy who taught me how to read the sports pages. He took me to Yankee games. He took me to Mets games. He taught me how to read the sports section. He, t- I remember he took me to my first diner on Lexington Avenue, and he ordered, and I still order his order. He ordered two eggs sunny side up with bacon, rye, dry rye toast, and hash browns. And that is my order. Like, he did that order, and I'm like, I'm going to do that order so that if I go to a diner and I order that type of breakfast, I'm ordering what Jay ordered. And then I saw something that I'd I'd never seen before. He started putting ketchup on his hash browns, which I didn't think you you were allowed to do. I thought ketchup was for hamburgers and French fries. Didn't realize it was a breakfast option. So I started putting uh, ketchup on my hash browns and that's a Jay, that was a Jay thing. So So I learned a lot from him and especially, you know, 1984, my dad, my parents were divorcing. My dad was out of the house and my mother was just trying to get it together. My uncle really kind of swooped, Jay swooped in and Jay, uh, he swooped in and he took me to, he took me to my first Islanders game at Islanders hockey, hockey, New York, hockey New York hockey team. I'd never been to uh, MSG Madison Square Garden for a sporting event. My grandfather, Jay's father, my mother's father, used to take me to the circus. Go to Ringling Brothers and Barnum and Bailey Circus in in, uh, Madison Square Garden. But I didn't think they had sports there. And then my uncle said, we're going to go. I'm taking you to an Islanders game. We're going to watch some hockey. And I was like, whoa, this is like real dude stuff. So he takes me down after school. And we go to the Madison Square Garden and it just feels New York. And my uncle's younger. He's, he's like a kind of, he's a giant Bruce Springsteen fan. Um, uh, he's blind faith and, and just like awesome, you know, rock and roll music. Huey Lewis in the news at the time, um, Eric Clapton. He was like a real, you know, and he takes me to the game and he gets us tickets to the blue the blue section, the blue seats. And the blue seats should have been called the fucking, (laughs) the fucking, the, the worst seats because we were up in the rafters. We were literally up in the rafters. And the worst part was, wasn't that we were up in the rafters. The worst part was the people up in the rafters were drunken degenerates, drunken degenerates. I guess the seats were cheap. They go upstairs Everyone is loaded. There's beer all, all you can smell is beer and hot dogs. Jay gets his tickets to the blue seats, also referred to as the nosebleed section. And it's right on the glass. Right on the glass. And we I'm I can't see. I can't see. So I'm like putting my face up on the glass. I'm putting my hands over my eyes, trying to see what's going on. Don't really understand what's going on. And I hear, I overhear someone say, hey. Hey you, you little wimp! Hey! Get off the glass! And I'm not 100% sure they're... I don't know who they're talking to. But I hear it again. Hey you! Get off the glass! Hey you little wimp! Get off the glass! And I'm all of a sudden I'm just like... I think they're... Are they talking to me? And then I hear it one more time. Hey you, you little wimp! If you don't get off the glass, we're gonna throw you over the side! that was for me that was for me these men these drunken men were threatening to threatening to take a 10 year old throw him over a balcony because they couldn't see their hockey players play they threatened a child they threatened a child and i'm terrified there's just no way they're not talking to me and then Jay's starting to get a little nervous. He's just like, oh, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. Just, you know, maybe you don't want to sit on the glass. You don't want to maybe just sit down. Don't You know, don't put your face right on the glass. Don't no, stand up. Just sit down and, you know, just maybe put your head down. And I'm just like, these men are threatening me. They're threatening to kill me. And I'm not thinking Jay better save me. I'm like, well, we got to get out of here before I get tossed over the side of a balcony onto the ice. I mean, my first, my first time at Madison Square Garden, a grown man threatened to throw me over the side, over the side. So I was just like inconsolable and Jay was trying to calm me down. And then he just took me out and, and, um, we get home and I'm terrified. And my mother meets us at the door and she goes, Jeff, Jay, what what are you here? I'm I'm watching the game. I'm watching the game while you're there. The game's not over. And Jay says, well, you know, Kathy, you know, Jeff had a kind of an incident and it wasn't that big of a deal, but he was very nervous. And she says, Jeffrey, what, what happened? Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older. But Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts, offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. And I said, well, you know, these guys were yelling at me. They, They said things. And she turned to Jay and she said, well, what did he say? What did they say? And... And uh, Jason, well, they said, hey, you little wimp, if you don't get off the glass, we're going to throw you over the side. And then my mother looks at me and she goes, but Jeffrey, how do you know they were talking to you? And I just looked up and I said, because I was the only little wimp there. <laughs> That's it. That's a classic. And that was going to be in that speech, goddammit. That was going to be in that speech. And that Gary V. wannabe dork ruined it all. He ruined it all. They, they could have gotten that gold but they ended up talking i mean they ended up getting him he was like shaking his fists like we all don't know the real jason you ruined it you ruined it fine now these now my people now these listeners they get to deal with my bullshit so that was that was one story and then um there's another funny story and I'm going to kind of like switch gears, but Jay was unbelievable. I got so many messages from people who knew him and I got to share, I got to share a couple the la the second to last time, the second to last time I talked to Jay, the second to last time I talked to Jay, he called me up and he says, and his voice was much weaker. And this was like maybe three weeks before he passed away. It was like three or three or four, maybe a four or four weeks. He says, "Tony boy, it's me. It's Solamente. I'm at a, I'm at a uh, plastic surgeon. We're going to get some things taken care of. And I'm not 100% sure what it was, but I think it was due to, you know, he was having a radiation or he was having a procedure done and he was at the plastic surgeon. So he goes, I'm at this plastic surgeon. I just wanted to give you an update. And, and, you know, he's telling me all about it. And his voice is getting weaker and his voice is getting weaker. And, and, and I'm thinking to myself, all right, here's your chance. A plastic, if you tell someone you're at a plastic surgeon, things can't be that bad. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm at a plastic surgeon. You're not in an e- unless you're Joan Rivers' family. You're you're in good shape. P.S. The only person I know or have heard of who've had problems at a plastic surgeon has been Joan Rivers, and <laughs> she died in a, in plastic surgery. So in my mind, I'm thinking he's a plastic surgeon. How bad could it be? So he's like, Yeah, tiny boy. I'm at the plastic surgeons, and we're getting this done, that done, and this done. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yo, Jay. You know what? While you're there, Jay, I got a great idea. Here it is. Here it comes, ladies and gentlemen. I say to him, Jay, while you're there, maybe you could, uh, maybe ask the guy to give you a little bit extra penis. Give you, give you a little bit more penis. And I'm thinking to myself, well, let's make a joke about the size of the, my uncle got a small dick. So well, let's say the plastic surgeon, maybe I'll throw a couple inches on, baby. And I say it, feeling good about it, feeling like he's going to laugh. Normally he would laugh. And I got nothing. And I got nothing. Totally nothing. Zero. And I'm thinking to myself, as most people who think they told a good joke do, they think, obviously, this person hasn't heard me. He couldn't hear me. The phone wasn't close enough. So I said, Jay, did you hear what I said? While you're at the plastic surgeons, why don't you uh, you know, tell them to give you a little bit extra penis? Give you a little bit extra penis. Nothing. Zero. Nothing. Silence. Solamente is giving me nothing. And I'm about to go in for a third time. And he goes, uh, 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 Tani, Tani, um, I'm, uh, I'm at the, I'm in the office now. The doctor's here, the nurse is here and you're on speakerphone. So so I fucking I, I basically said to a room of medical people my small penis uncle needs a little bit of extra penis maybe you can do something about that which was awesome and I'm so happy that it happened and I laughed even harder and I I laughed even harder that that happened and it, it was very very good I'm I'm I am super proud of that I feel very good about it I think Jay would have totally if I I told that story to Jay's best friend at the at the funeral and he loved it it was awesome that's in there that's in there he deserved it I love him and um and then the last thing the last thing I said to Jay was the Friday before he passed away I decided to call and I talked to Beth and um Beth said "Well, I'm gonna put the phone up to Jay maybe you can you know say something to him he, he he wasn't very responsive he could I could hear him making noises but he you know to hear my voice and I didn't really you don't know what to say in these situations You know, except I love you and stuff like that. But at the same time, in my mind, I'm thinking, I don't want to say goodbye. I want to just be like normal. So, I, you know, at that time, I didn't even expect them to put him on the phone. You know, I didn't expect the phone to go up to his ear. And I didn't know what to say. And I didn't want to get him upset, you know. So, I'm thinking to myself, what am I going to say? i really off the cuff. And, you know, a lot of times, especially when he was having different surgeries and stuff like that, we would, I wouldn't, I would change the subject. We'd talk about other things like sports. He really got me into New York sports. Uh, He was a huge Boston fan. He was a huge Red Sox fan. He was a huge uh, Boston Celtics fan. And I, I, the only thing I could think of was, Jay, what's going on? You're not going to, and all I said was, Jay, you're not going to believe this, but the Knicks forced game six. And that was just like, I was just wanted to have something. I wanted to tell him something that we both bonded on, sports or something like that. And I didn't want to make it about, and I just said, I love you, buddy. I love you. And that was it. And that was it. That was all I said. But it was great because I, you know, at the time, at the time, um, I was really proud to, to talk to him and be able to say that, but it was, it was really, I was, you know, it was, I was also trying to rub it in a little bit that the Knicks were, the Knicks were, um, the Knicks forced a game six against the Heat. Obviously they lost, but it was like this moment of, you know, bonding that he and I had. He, I remember, like I said, he took me to Yankee games. He told me how to read the, read the sports section. He told me all this stuff. And the only thing I wished at the funeral is that the Heat, uh, as that the Boston Celtics, uh, I wish that they were swept. <laughs> they were, when I got down to almost close, close to the funeral, the heat were up three to three games to zero against those Celtics. And all I wished for was that the heat swept the Celtics. And I was going to put that in the speech too. And I was gonna be like, and I'm just, you know, you know, put it in his, put it in his face. But, um, he was unbelievable. He was so, he, I, some stories that people sent me were incredible what they meant, what he meant to them. And what he meant to me was just, I mean, it's just hard to put into words except for the fact that I'll tell stories and honor him. And, uh, I just, in regards to my mother, I, uh, I saw her, what is it? It's 2.15. I saw her three hours ago. I went to go see her. I'm like, I said, I'm about to go to Barcelona in a couple of days, and I wanted to see my mother. You know, I go visit her um, as often as I can. She's not too far away, and I, I want to just—I want her to see me. And there are good days and bad days. And you know, we're at—you know, she's gotten much thinner, and her hair's gotten longer, and her teeth are starting to kind of like. You know, yeah, some of them are trying to escape. You know what I'm saying? Some of them, some of the boat people on that boat are trying to get off. You know what I mean? So, you know, I go. I when I go there, I'm loving. Sometimes Lila comes, sometimes Hillary comes. We just keep it upbeat. She there. Ha- she's always happy to see us. Some days she forgets who I am. Some days she doesn't, and I just, I just had to stop by and say hello. And it was the weirdest part was. The fact that I had made, and it wasn't just my decision. It wasn't just my decision. I think a lot, I talked to a lot of people in the family and they also agreed that it might be in in best interest to just kind of not tell her about Jay. And I felt very guilty about it. And it was a decision that I was like, but at the same time, I was just like, well, let's just, you know, she isn't capable right now of kind of understanding. And what I don't want to do is give her... Any kind of anxiety because there are people in that place that are anxiety guy, anxiety, ladies and gentlemen, and they they got my mom on on the good stuff, but at the, at the same time she's very very like relaxed and I want to keep her calm and I don't want to keep her ups- i don't want her upset, so I'm walking in there and I'm just like kind of you know I always have this real uh what should I say? I always have this like feeling in my stomach of like this is, you know, this isn't the. I'm being honest when I tell you this is like I'm not excited because you know you you don't want to see your parent this way, and there isn't a whole lot more you can do about it. Um, so as soon as I walk in the door, I have a surgical mask on, and then she she just her eyes light up and she goes, "There's my big bro," and I'm like, flabbergasted. She goes, ah, my big bro is here. My mother thought I was Jay or Bill. She called me her big bro. She's never done that before. She didn't call me bro. It's like I call Lila bro. That's like format. You know, my mother is like in her 80s. She, it was the craziest thing. It was the weirdest thing. I've been, you know, throughout this last three weeks, what do I tell my mother? What do I, do I tell my mother? Do I not tell my mother? And then it was make the decision and we're just going to keep things going and keep things light. And just, you know, I don't, she doesn't need the turmoil. She doesn't need the angst. She doesn't need the regret. She doesn't need it. And she reads me with the first things out of her mouth is my big bro is here. I was like stupefied. totally stupefied. This happened three hours ago. And we talked, and I told her I'm going on a trip and a business trip. And I've told her that what well, Lila's about to finish school and she's getting ready for prom, and talked about g- going to college. And she was kind of in and out of understanding. And um, I told her I loved her, and I'll, when I come back, I'll see her. And, you know, we make sure that, you know, the people taking care of her, taking care of, and, you know, um, but at the same time, it was like, it blew my mind. Like I'm preparing for this thing all day this morning. And I'm thinking, I I just want to see my mother and, you know, just give her some love and give her, you know, and she greets me with, Oh, my big bro is here. It was totally crazy. And, um, that was, uh, that was unexpected. And, um, it was, you know, it was the realest thing I'd heard in a very, very long time. It was the realest, craziest thing of all time. And it's not as if somebody told her and she, you know, people aren't really, she's not really in the know, but it was true. It was true. And it was like, you do want to say, our, you know, are we all connected somehow, some, some way? I don't know. But um, I'm going to be telling Jay stories a lot and I'm going to be honoring him by... Doing what he did, which was f- tell jokes, even at, at the wrong time. I want to tell some jokes that the I want. I got a couple of ones that I'm gonna just hold on to, only because, only because I this might be too much already. So I mean, we're into uh, what are we at? 56 minutes in. I, I we all we might be in too much, too deep already. So I'm gonna hold off on some more J stories. But Solamente, you're my guy. You're always gonna be my guy. you Always will be my guy. And I appreciate you, and I love you, and you know, uh, look, what can you do? You're my guy. You'll always be my guy. You and your brother Bill and you, you know your dad and your mom, they were huge in my life and I'm very appreciative. So, with that said, <laughs> look, look radio show, man. Radio, show. I just did a good break. I did an hour break. It was this was an I did an hour long break. And now we're going to take a little bit of a break. And here's the break. I'm gonna ta- This is a commercial break. All right? This is a radio you know what I'm saying? You know, you know what my Uncle Jay would have loved? My Uncle Jay would have... And I'm not saying this because it's true. I'm saying this because he would have laughed. He would have laughed. Uh, Baker Forge and Tool. He would have laughed because you know where I'm going with this. So if, if you are if you a knife maker... And you want to get some razzle dazzle in your arsenal, get yourself some of that steel from BakerForge, bakerforge.com. Um, it's high quality stuff. It's got there's core material, and then there's shims, and there's copper, and there's brass, and there's bronze, and there's Damascus. And this stuff is awesome. It's going to take your knife making to a whole new level. And if you go to bakerforge.com, you put in the promo code FOLBLASH, you're going to get 10% off your order. And I'll tell you what Jay would have loved Jay would have loved me doing ad reads for Gator Piss. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, Gator Piss. Gator Piss is the etchant. That is what that's formulated. That people are using not just for Baker Forge stuff. People are loving the Gator Piss. i have seen Gator Piss all over the place, and it's awesome stuff. And if you are in the UK, uh, EU, and you want to get your hands on some Gator Piss, go to DIYEurope.com.eu, and then they're the sole distributors for for Gator Piss. I don't know if they have any Baker Forge steel, but I know that they got that Gator Piss. And um, Jay would have loved. Jay would have loved. It. He would have been like, he'd be like, Tawny boy tiny boy what are you doing ad reads for be like gator piss jay i mean you come on man you gotta you gotta gotta etch your steel with something and he would have laughed he would have thought it was so funny and he would have made jokes about it and he would have busted my balls he's like you and your what is it what did you what what else you have gator piss he would have loved it so uh definitely for sure go get yourself some of that gator piss get yourself some of that baker Forge steel and uh i use it and when i use it my customers flip out so get yourself some of that um Baker Forge and Tool on Instagram, biggerforge.com full blast. Get you 10% off. Get yourself some of that uh, get some of the new stuff. Go definitely follow what they're doing cuz they have new stuff all the time. Next is my boys at Trojan Horse Forge, the makers of the Stable Rail Knife Finishing Vice. These guys are working hard, making new vices because these things are awesome, and they're all. And when they're up, they're when, as Cardi B says, when they're up, they're up, and then they're stuck. But you, it can't. When they sell them, they're over, and they have to make more. So they're making them in the heart of Texas. They ain't, they ain't sending. These parts aren't being fabricated abroad and then sent to him. They're, there's a video, and you can see on They're. Hard at work making these beautiful uh, stable rail knife finishing vices. You go to Trojan Horse Forge, and if you put in the promo code Full Blast, you can get free shipping United States. It's awesome. Get yourself hand right. Get yourself your get your turning around, and then you can do the handle scales. Your handle, it's awesome. It's very versatile. Rubber adhesive pads, bombproof case. This stuff's awesome. Anybody who has a baker, anyone who has a Trojan Horse Forge stable rail knife finishing vise, loves it and does not. 100 100 i regret it and i don't regret mine i love mine every one of my knives is on the stable world knife finishing vice twice all right so ladies and gentlemen get yourself some of that trojan horse forge and stop playing all right we're back Com- back from our commercial break i'm doing this i'm trying to do this like a radio show i don't know if it's working but we're, we're gonna find out we'll find out so last night I had this weird dream and I thought, I thought what I would do is I'd talk about it. It was a, I don't, I wasn't even going to do this. And then this morning I had like a kind of a epiphany, you know, epiphany. You know, that's a, I would <laughs> that word, I don't know why I said it. <laughs> yeah. And I apologize because this is like, you know, I'm trying to be more than it is. Dreams are, I love my dreams. I never remember them. And this one I remembered. So in the dream, the dream I was working in a metal shop, at a fabrication shop. And a lot of it comes from the fact that I just, uh, my old shopmate, uh, my old guy I work with, uh, John Ledford, came to my shop and he and I knocked out a railing for our neighbors. Our, my neighbors who are in need of a railing. They're, they're going through it and they needed a railing for an inspection and we knock one out. And uh, he came over. He knows our my neighbors well, and we just had a good time making this railing. It brought back old times. It was tiring though, frankly. <sighs> this is a young man's game, drilling them the core, drilling them holes, and uh, and uh, installing, and bending over, and leaning over, and picking up, and twisting. And uh, you can have it. I'm I'm done. I've done. I only do railings for once in a while. People, uh, friends, and people need something bad, and they're friendly, and uh, but don't ask. <laughs> don't ask. I ain't doing it often. So I was having this dream and in the dream I was working for a fabricator and it was a metal shop and I felt as though it didn't look like a familiar metal shop. It looked, i have been, I worked at a couple of metal shops before. It didn't look familiar to me, but the, what the vibe I was getting was, was I was climbing up the ladder in terms of being at the shop. And a lot of this has to do with my age and my experience. And I'm starting to subconsciously feel a little bit better about myself in terms of like where I'm at and what I know, and what I don't know. Um, And it's towards the end of the day. And all of a sudden this woman comes in the door and the woman turns out to be my dad's wife, my former stepmother, who, and I don't really talk much about her, um, only because what's to say, you know, what's to say, well, I'll tell you is, uh, this woman, uh, she basically took everything from me and my sisters, you know, um, she was the gatekeeper. I'm not going to go into it yet. (laughs) we got time. She was the gatekeeper to my dad. She was a poisonous woman. She poisoned him to uh, us and um when he passed away there were things put in place to make sure we didn't have anything. We didn't have anything. Um and that's fine. You know, I it, it got to the point where it got to the point where I wasn't going to we weren't going to fight. I mean the the we weren't going to fight. I w- I said to my sisters I'm like I'm not fighting for any of this. I don't, you know, I would have liked, there was one thing I would have liked, and I got to tell you. Um, but there was no fighting a will that was completely made years in advance to, you know, belittle us, to humiliate us, to, take to strip away what we thought was the love of our father. I don't want any of it. You know, I'm not fighting for stuff from a, from a from a to a I'm not fighting a person for stuff that clearly they don't, you know, if they don't want me to have it and my old man signed off on everything, I don't want it. I'll do it my own I'll do it myself, including that one thing that I want. But, you know, if I don't have it the rest of my life, I'll be fine. And it was ultimately it was a very, very um it was very painful. There was a lot of feelings of betrayal. There was a lot of feelings of um betrayal for my father. There was a lot of feelings that I knew when I was younger that I was I my feelings were correct and you know I was shut down for the most part. I won't go into it. So so this woman walks into the walks into the shop and she wanted to talk to me. And um I'm old I guess I'm older in the in the I'm not f- afraid to see her. And we go into another room and uh, like I said, the shop in the dream, the shop is closing down, closing down for the night, not closing down in general, closing down there. We're finishing up for the day. And she's very nice to me on the, uh, when we talk and she has, in in the dream, she offers me like uh, an investing opportunity. It makes no sense. It was, like, stupid. It was just like... And in the dream, I wasn't trying to please her. I wasn't trying to... One, a lot of times what happens is, especially if someone's a gatekeeper, you try to appease them. And even in the dream, I wasn't... It was this dumb thing. She wanted me to invest in a, you know, a building in in Amsterdam. And I'm just like... And, I, and even in the dream, I remember saying why would I want to do that? She's like, we only need a couple million dollars. I'm like, if I had a couple million dollars, why would I do that? And it was very, there was this degree of confidence and she was very nice and in this dream she was being very thoughtful and nice and she was being very sweet to me and she told me that my father would have um, appreciated what I'm doing right now. Like she would have, you know, she would have been proud of Fader Knives and stuff like that and and I didn't really take much of it. I was just like, I was like, all right, well, you know, thanks for stopping by. It was very pleasant. It wasn't horrible. It was just, it was what it was. All of a sudden, we, the end of the dream, that part's over. And then now when I get out of the room, the metal shop is closed. The metal shop is closed. The gates are down. Everything's locked up. And I find that my keys and my wallet and my bag are all in the shop. I turn my back. And as soon as I turn my back again, the shop is gone. I don't know where the shop is. But what I do know is that my keys, my bag, all my personal belongings are in the shop that's locked. And now I can't get to my car to go home. And I'm in the rest of the dream, I'm going to the streets trying to find this shop. I can't find the shop. Where's the shop? And then now I'm thinking to myself, I can't even call my wife because my phone is in the shop. And how am I going to get picked up? And what if I don't... And I'm trying and all this stuff is coming, and then I wake up. I told Hillary about it. So so that's the dream. And I told Hillary about it. And she goes, Well, what do you think that's all about? And then I'm just like, I don't know. I have no idea. And so so just to wrap it up, I'm in this metal shop. My f- my former stepmother comes in, talks very nice to me, tries to get me to do something for her in a very nice way. I say no in a very uh polite way, frankly. And then I turned my back and all the stuff, the shop is locked, all my stuff's in the shop and now the shop has disappeared and I don't know how to get home. And then I woke up, I walked the dogs, I'm thinking about this dream, I'm trying to prepare for this and it just dawned on me. It dawned on me what it represented was there are these things in my life that are sidelining me and they're, they're distracting me from what I'm supposed to be doing. Like that was a distraction. So when she came in, she distracted me from the fact that the shop was closing and I got to get my stuff to go home. And that distraction was something that affected my life. So I started to started to think about it. And, you know, in a lot of dreams, you are everybody. You are everything and everybody. And I'm really kind of like, I'm like, yeah, there are distractions in my life and validations. Like part of it was very much along the lines, if I didn't need the validation of this woman who was the gatekeeper, who I used to try to impress because I wanted her to like me. And if she liked me or she loved me, then I would have more access to my father. I didn't feel that need in the dream. I didn't feel that need. I didn't feel, I wasn't begging for anything. I wasn't, I didn't feel desperate for anything that I, you know, there was no manipulation and stuff like that. And I started to realize that I didn't need any kind of validation. I was talking to my wife, she's on the way in the city getting prompt stuff with Hillary. And I said, I figured out the dream. I wrote to her. She goes, Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. So what was interesting was, was it was this kind of idea that I don't need validation from other people. I don't need. I don't feel the need to have validation even from my peers. Um, I feel very strongly about the hard work that I've been doing, and it was liberating. It was liberating. But what I what I don't want to do is I don't want to get sucked into any type of drama that doesn't keep me focused on my prize. So the whole idea was, was she distracted me and then it kept me on my eye off the prize. I couldn't get my stuff and I ended up couldn't go, I couldn't go home to my family. What made me started to think about like that idea of validation and the idea of getting better and I started thinking a lot about and and now I'm gonna I'm gonna fuck around a little bit. That was that was dream that was dream Jeff. That was the dream the dream expert. But it was very liberating too because you're being very thoughtful in regards to, you know social media is one of those things where you're tr- you're looking for the validation from your friends and your family and you're looking for validation from, you know, your pe- you know, peers. Like down and everyone's down and uh, as I record this, people are like, it's Sunday. So people are starting to leave the Blade show. It was awesome seeing great pictures of people that had never met each other before Instagram and they're, you know, went, well, this guy's inspiration to this guy and this guy's happy to see this guy. And it was really cool to see all the pictures of people who met each other on online. And it was awesome and, and Fingal was down there and all my guys were down there and, and Matt Stagner and all these guys and Mount Philip Metal with Chris Cash was there and old Stelter was there and I told people to tell Stelter that I've been looking for him, like I'm down there. I'll try to get down there and I, I couldn't I couldn't get down there uh this year just because it's so close to to um Barcelona and I just couldn't, you know, strip my you know, and my kids leaving soon. I couldn't get myself away. But it started to make me think about like this idea of validation and it, there's this there's this and i ain't gonna be fucking gary v jr right now so don't worry about that but there's this idea that people are looking for validation and they're looking for approval and i think that as i've gotten older i've, I've needed less and less approval I need a less, less approval from people who tell me what to do. Part of the reason why I make the knives that I make is out of, uh, the asymmetrical stuff is completely because somebody told me nobody wants out, nobody, it's not acceptable to do asymmetrical work. There's things that I do out of spite. There's things that I do because I want to, and uh, you don't need to do any. You don't need. I don't need any validation anymore. I'm happy to be. I'm happy to be involved with this knife making community and this podcasting community. I'm gonna kick the shins. Out. I'm gonna kick some shins right now on the podcast community. But what I will say is, is the most important thing is to just not worry about what other people say and just focus on getting better. That's all I want to do for myself is every day. I want to get better and want to get better with this podcast. I want to get better with, um, knife talk. I want to get better with fader knives and, uh, some interesting things are happening, um, which I'm very excited for, um, in terms of the business, in terms of where we're going. But at the same time, you don't need any validation. Some of you podcasters, you don't need validation for me. If I, if if I take shots across the bow and say a bunch of flea bags and some of your podcasts are unlistenable and you're terrible and some of you ain't getting any better, you don't need my validate. You don't need me to tell. You don't need it from me. You don't need to hear it from me. You don't need my approval. You don't need my approval when I hear you ripping me off. You don't need my approval when I hear you saying stuff that I say. You don't need my approval. So don't. you don't need validation from me. What you need to do is you need to get better. And that's what you need to do. We all need to get better. So that's it. That's, that's that break. And we're going to take some shots. I'll take some shots across the bow. And with that said, take a special – I want to do a big shout-out to my boys down in Australia, Nordic Edge. Nordic Edge down in Australia with my boy. Well, boy, Sausage Man Forge was down there repping old uh, Nordic Edge. He, You know what he brought down at the Blade Show? He brought down uh, some tang hole saws. You know, get your tang holes squared away. He brought the big Mert file guide. He brought some other things, beveling jigs and all sorts of stuff. Jamie is the man. And if you go to nordicedge.com.au, they're in Australia. If you're Australian, you want to learn about knife making, blacksmithing, all that stuff. They have handle material, knife kits. They have parts, hammers, piles of other things that will make you a, make you a better uh, knife maker or blacksmith. Keep you from up and running to seasoned vets to beginners. That's for you. So go get yourself some of that nordicedge.com.au. And if you're in the United States, you want to see what's going on with the Big Mert File guy. go to knifekits.com in Atlanta, and they got the Big Mert File guy. Get yourself one of them Big Merts, you know what I'm saying? And then the next thing is Total Boat. Total Boat, baby. Total Boat are the makers of adhesive paints, primers, polishing, com- polishing compounds. For boaters and DIYers, I understand they need your projects to go smoothly. They're the guys who are making the stuff to keep your boat afloat. And they're, if you're a maker or if you are in the maker community, they're also the guys who, who, are, who are single-handedly responsible for all the river tables. So if you have someone you want, if you don't like river tables and I have, I was on shop sounds and those boys don't like river tables at all, at all. And there's some people who don't like them, uh, hybrid handle material either way, which I lovingly referred to as the cross fit of knife making, it's Total Boat's fault. They're the ones, they're the ones making that two part epoxy that looks so good. And they got the dyes and make it all sparkly and shiny and dyed nice Get yourself some of that. I, I've been using it, and it ain't just for river tables. I know some of you woodworkers are just like, you shouldn't be using Total Boat for river tables. I use it for handle scales. I, I put all my handle scales on with the Total Boat. We use the two-part epoxy, which I love, and we use the, um, we use the dyes that are specially formulated for that epoxy. So get yourself some of that Total Boat, and if you use the... If you use the... If you use the... Oh Jesus Christ. If you use this special um uh whatchamacallit, if you go and <laughs> I don't know where the hell it is. It's a total boat, it's a total boat, baby. Where are you? Where are you? Oh, here it is. Sorry about that. If you go to totalboat.com, you check out what they have, and then you use this affiliate code that's in my show notes totalboat.com slash full blast you're going to get a uh, percentage off so definitely check check that out get you some of that uh total boat baby and um stop playing you do this stuff with look what jimmy's doing he just takes some dead animals and shove it in the total boat then call it sculpture <laughs> i mean i'm not gonna i mean i'll say something but not your face i'll say it right here oh p and that's what we're gonna talk about next to talk about next is the fact that I don't, that it, when it comes to sit, things in the DMs, I ain't doing it for free. I talk, I, I do it all here. So get yourself some of that total boat and go to TotalBoat.com slash full blast for your discount and support of the podcast. So last thing I want to talk about. Last thing I want to talk about. Well, second last thing I want to talk about. This is break number three, guys. This is like a radio show, like Howard Stern or right, Robin. So. I want to thank everybody for the kind words about my daughter's podcast last week. Uh, Lila came on and it was awesome. She was great. Uh, it was really weird, frankly. And the weird part was, was I was really nervous. I was nervous for quite a while. And what I was trying to do was trying to figure out a way where it didn't sound like the way we talk and it didn't. And we had good chemistry I think if you don't have good chemistry with your kid, I don't know what, I mean, you, know, I don't, you got a problem too. And it was really cool, the conversation. It was funny that she had the windows open and all the sirens are going off. Uh, I could definitely, definitely, definitely see her come back. Uh, we're going to do some more bits, more of the, the, that game where who's right, I tell a story, and then she tells her version of the story. It was funny. That boogie board story was my favorite. Um but uh, I got a lot of really nice messages from people who really like the podcast and were surprised, frankly. Some of them were surprised that I, I, am, I am the parent that I am. And I'm here to tell you I'm not surprised, motherfucker. Just like fucking Nate Diaz says, I'm not surprised. Don't be surprised. Um, everyone was pretty into it and Lila was really great. She's definitely coming back. Um, I did get one DM that I wanted to address here only because, as I said earlier, I don't fight people. I said this before. I don't fight people online for free. I don't do it because this is a waste of my energy. It's a waste of my energy. I don't fight people for free. You got to pay. And when I'm on this podcast, I'm on the clock and I'm getting paid to be here ladies and gentlemen. And I know some of these podcasters who are listening to this are like, you get paid? Yes. I've been doing this for 12 years. I've been doing podcasting for 12 years. I get paid. So when I'm here, I'm on the clock. So if you say something to me in an email, if you say something to me in the DMs, I'm most likely not going to respond only because I don't want to wait. I don't want the, I if the agita get paid for the agita, I might as well get paid for it. I'm not going to just waste it on you. We're not going to have a relationship, my friend. So I did get a message that it was, it was, I'm not going to, I'm just going to summarize. It was basically talking about our language. The surprising that I, you know, talk the way I do. And Lila talks the way she does and using the lang- colorful language we do. And I'm not, and I didn't respond back. I mean, it was ultimately, it was a nice commentary. It was like, you have a good relationship with your daughter, too bad about the cursing, or something like that. And here's what I have to say. About 14, when she turned 14, when my daughter turned 14, I had made the decision that I want her to be able to express herself as, the, as true as she can, as the best way she can. She was already a good student. She was a good kid. She was very thoughtful. But at the same time, I felt like we were missing something. And when you start catching your kid at a certain age, I'm not saying you're eight years old, your eight year old will run around calling you a motherfucker. I'm just saying that, like, at a certain age, it's like she's going to say it at school. They're going to say it at school. Wouldn't you rather your kid kind of Express themselves as the best they can and be as comfortable as they can at home. So, I, my wife did not, was not for this, but I just made this proclamation. I said, listen, I want you to be able to be comfortable saying the things that you say. So, you want to say fuck once in a while. I am mad about it. And in the beginning, it was a little fuck, 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 fuck. And we kind of toned it all down. And then when she came, you know, what ended up happening is we ended up having a relationship that was far better than I expected. Like she was kind of felt confident, confident in being able to express herself. Now she can't go say fuck you. She did on the podcast tell me to fuck, shut the fuck up. But that was, I find that to be, I thought that it was acceptable, especially on this podcast. I also told her, feel free to break my balls uh, on the podcast So, here's what I have to say. My kid is is sixth in the class. She has been on the varsity swim team for six years, three of which she was the captain. Three of which she was, she was the captain of the the varsity swim team when she was a sophomore. The varsity girls swim team, as Lila's been the captain, have all been honor students. All in, I think it's like a, they all have had over 90 GPA, a 90 grade point average. As the 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 girls varsity swim team has the highest academic record of all the all the teams in the in the district. She is got into college early. They gave her a whopping merit scholarship that she did not apply for. They gave her a whopping grade point uh, merit scholarship that was. We're, we're my, my wife and I are very grateful, but we're also it was very validating to my daughter. She got into the college she wanted. She got a huge merit scholarship, so it feels as though her hard work is partially paying for school, which is a great feeling. She's thoughtful, she's smart, she's funny. And if she says fuck once in a while, I'm with it. I'm with it. You got bigger fish to fry. I think this whole language thing that people sit get get they're getting involved with. Uh and I've had people comment on, you know, well, you know, you 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 sit, you talk in a certain way it's your actions. It's not some of the things that you say, obviously you can't say everything, but at the same time, knowing what you're when and where is appropriate, but trust me, I don't, you know, this kid, this kid is all right with me. She's a dynamite kid. She wants to say fuck once in a while. I ain't stopping her. I ain't stopping her now. You know, that said, don't worry about what she says. Don't worry about what I say. I'm very proud of her. She did a great job and she's definitely gonna come back. Um, and I'm very much looking forward to that. I'm very much looking forward to that. And um, I'm proud of her. I'm very proud of her. Uh, I think that she's, she got very, towards the second half of the episode, she got real comfortable. And that was really, really cool. And the, showing the memories. Part of me kind of wishes I'd thought of different stories that were a little bit more light. Like that uh, she did a good job bringing up that boogie board story. I was really happy about that. So go, if you want to, if you, and the other thing is I got a lot of nice messages about it. If you, if you want to send me a nice message, do me a favor. I'll appreciate it more if you just write a review wherever you listen to podcast. That's the one thing with this podcast that I would appreciate. I get people send me stuff. They find my address. They send me stuff. Don't do that anymore. Don't send me anything. Um, I don't want anything. If you want to send me a DM instead, do me a favor. Wherever you see your pod wherever you listen to the podcast where you can leave a review, you want to write something nice, that's how you can thank me and tell your friends. On Fridays, when it comes out, share it with your stories. It helps me. That's what I like. That's that's how you can thank me. That's how you can create a rel <laughs> you can't create a relationship with me. But the, one of the things you can do is you can support this podcast. So with that said, I want to thank you for that. Everyone's we're really into it. And we'll do it again. i maybe I'll I might do lie. I might get Lila back on um I, we'll see what her schedule looks like in college. I thought At one point, I thought we could do the freshman year, the sophomore year, junior, year, senior but why wait a year? We'll see what happens. She was, she was game. I could come up with some new games for her, and uh, we'll see what happens. I want to thank my sponsors, Maritime Knife Supply. It's maritimenifesupply.ca for all your knife-making needs, belts, abrasives, steels, kilns, presses, petriating ovens, anvils, everything you need to get started resupplied. They got everything you need. You, t- you know what I'm talking about? They're in Canada, but they ship to the United States with ease, and you can take advantage of that exchange rate. Their steel selection is always growing, and Lawrence has got all sorts of steel coming through. And if you go to supply.com or supply.ca, you get yourself 10% off your abrasive belt packs, Uh, You get 10% off when you get 10. You get 10, you get one free. So go check out what's going on over there. And what I do want to say is the uh, Maritime Knife Supply is a sponsor of the Great Lakes Custom Knife Show. Great Lakes Custom Knife Show. um, That's Great Lakes Custom Knife Show on Instagram or visit GreatLakesCustomKnifeShow.com. And it's going to be fun. It will be August 19th in Goderick, Ontario. Canada's largest knife show. Uh, located the picturesque shores of lake huron featuring some of the best talented pest uh, talent in the Canadian knife making community. So Maritime Knife Supply is very supportive of that. And I want to thank them for that. So get yourself some of them TR maker equipment. You want to get Dr. Laren Thomas's must-have book knife engineering. You can get whatever you want. And if you don't have, if you don't see what you want them to have, send Lawrence Lake a message and he'll get you squared away. So check out what's going on at MaritimeKnifeSupply.com. Thank you. And with that said, I want to thank my last sponsor, who is the is the best, GL Hanson & Sons. That's at GL underscore Hanson & Sons. G dot L dot underscore Hanson & Sons. They are the makers of g uh, which is a unique composite of natural fibers and fabrics mixed with epoxy under pressure and heat. Uh, you get some. Get yourself a set of bofa. You get your you get your ripple cut tuxini by Miki mahi mahi radio Worm carta pheasant by Miki, which I just made a beautiful knife with. Uh, Colorama, which I made a uh, offset serrated. Colorama is awesome. Hoopla is awesome. Uh, they got amazing colors. Total razzle dazzle for your project. Easy to work with and finish. I, it is. There's a little. You got. There's some tricks and tips and stuff on on how you had the best way to work with it. It isn't like the. It isn't the easiest stuff to work with but the the what it is is it's it it's beautiful stuff to work with and it's really great and if you go to gcarta.bigcartel.com you can see it all you can follow them on instagram see what they have but if you go to gcarta.bigcartel.com they have all of the knife the, the knife handles for sale and it's it's awesome stuff it's real bang on stuff i love it and i use it and i know other knife makers are using it and it really puts some pizzazz in your handles you know what i'm saying so with that said we did it. We did it. It's a different still different style show by myself. I wanted to see if I could do instead of not... What I do when I do the rad reads, I do them in the beginning when I have a guest because I'm trying to get myself revved up. And if we're having a good conversation, I don't want to interrupt the conversation with the ads. And I know for some reason, Red Circle just throws ads in the middle of my sentences of this podcast. Trust me, I've been working on it for a long time with Craig. I know all about it. It's nothing more frustrating than saying saying something and then in halfway through the sentence, an ad comes up for some bullshit. I know all about it and I'm working on it. So I thought for myself, I thought I'd see if I could do it like this or do the ad reads um, with that. So... We'll see what happens next week. Um, I'm going to be in Barcelona. There's a very good chance that there just might not be an episode next week. But I'm going to see what I can do. Maybe I'll do something like this again. Maybe it's shorter, or maybe we'll see if I bring my com- if I bring my computer and my mic, I'll I'll definitely I'll have something with uh, Tomer. We'll definitely have an episode with Tomer, uh, or maybe who knows? Maybe I'll do it in the hotel room with uh, my wife and daughter again. Maybe we'll see, figure something out. But with that said, I can't thank you enough. You guys have been amazing. Um, the, the support I've gotten the for the podcast has been awesome. I think coming soon we're going to probably do some, I hate merch. I know you guys are thinking, what are you fucking have merch for? But we might do full blast t-shirts. And the full blast t-shirt will probably go through Fader Knives. I'm thinking about it very hard. Um, I'm thinking about doing it uh, if, there's a need, if there's an interest. Uh, I know that people seem to like t-shirts and merch. It's nothing but a pain in the ass, but at the same time, whatever it takes right ladies and germs so with that said we're gonna we're working on that we're working on new guests i got i got when i come back from barcelona i got a pile of good ones coming in uh i don't even want to tell you i know i'll have to give you a, i'll give you a hint we got uh, the return of uh we got the return of the big man get the jared thatcher finally got wi-fi so i think jared thatcher is going to come he sent me a message saying i finally got wi-fi so we're going to hear about him and the dog training ryan brewer's coming on uh, Riley Kirkpatrick's coming on I know Ben's going to come back back, and I'm going to get Ben and Ben come on back I, that one got waylaid um, and we're going to try to figure out a way to get him them back so with that said I hope you have a great week when this comes out I will be in at Florentine Kitchen Knives so go follow Fader Knives or Florentine Kitchen Knives on Instagram you're going to see probably a lot of content we're going to be probably fooling around doing a lot of fun stuff so with that said guys it was it was a nice time thank you very much uh, once again, Solamente, you're my guy. You always will be my guy, and I love you very much. All right, guys, see you next week. This show is brought to you by The Makery, the podcast network for makers.